Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Post Money Plan Podcast. This episode is coming to you June 28th, 2017. You can find us at postmoneyplan.com or on the iTunes podcast app at The Post Money Plan or also on the Google Play app at The Post Money Plan as well. We're continuing our discussion from last week with my guest Cal about the recruitment process from HR's perspective. Cal works as an internal recruiter for a multinational engineering firm, so he has been able to give us a rare look at what HR is thinking about when attempting to hire potential employees. So with that said, let's just go ahead and jump right back into where we were last week. So then through the interview process, I mean, we're talking in general terms, but what are some of the things that are going to really make people stand out and be the ones that you want to end up making an offer to? Okay, that's a good question. A lot of the candidates that stuck out for me were the highly sociable ones, the ones that were talkative, that weren't as shy, the ones that came in looking professional. You know, you always want to dress for success. That's a motto to keep in mind. First impressions are always key. So try to make your best uh, first impression when meeting your uh, recruiter and hiring manager. Would you say from the hiring side of the table, are you very quick to judge candidates if they just give off a wrong vibe on first appearance or something like that? Will it just completely eliminate them right away? It'll definitely set the tone for the rest of the interview. But as a recruiter, you have to be patient. You can't be quick to judge because a lot of the technical people and hiring managers will be very quick to judge. So you kind of have to keep the balance and give candidates a chance to you know, show their true colors. Getting back to things that stick out for candidates, I would also say you want to do your homework before going for an interview. Like I said, a lot of people did what I did. You know, they graduate, they go online, they just do serial like applications to every company that they see. When you show up for an interview, at least know the company that you're going to work for or you're <laughs> trying to go to work for. Because on several occasions, I've had candidates come into the interview and won't have a single clue on what the company does. And that just sets a horrible, horrible tone for the rest of the interview. And that will not look good on your recruitment report card, more or less. If you're looking for a job and you want to do a job, you want to know what you're going to be doing. You want to be passionate about it. You want to give your whole. So read up, you know, see what the company does. See the different operations that they do. Go in, you know, speaking like, oh, so I heard, you know, so-and-so company just had, let's say, got a huge account with so-and-so other company. And you guys are, you know, expanding businesses and so-and-so. So the more you can talk the talk and the business of the company, it will reflect well during your interview. Yeah, I can imagine that just comes through as showing interest in the industry, the business, what the company's going to be about. If someone's just showing up for an interview because it's a job available, but they don't show any interest in anything that has to do with the industry or the business, then that doesn't necessarily bode well for the future of that employee's commitment to the company and, and the passion for their job, right? Exactly. So another, another great motto we have in the recruiting world is we want to find you and we want to give you a career. We don't want to give you a job. A job can be, you know, a month, two months, a year, two years. But when we find candidates, we're looking for people and we're looking to give them a future. We want to hire them. We want to develop them. We want to train them. We want to grow them. And we want them to retire with us. 
So what we're doing is we're recruiting for people. We're looking for careers, not jobs. You've kind of been touching on this, but to reemphasize the point, what are the important key things that applicants should be thinking about in the recruitment process and the key things that you're looking for? Okay, so let's let's uh, count them down. So let's say one of the first thing, as mentioned, is we're looking for a person who knows what they want. So make sure that you have direction and you have a goal and a plan. We're also looking for people who have a wide set of skills and knowledge in the position we're hiring for. We're looking for people to be sociable and team players. Uh, we're looking for people who are professional and act in a professional manner in the work environment. We also look for happy people. We, we, want, <laughs> we want people to be, we're looking for people to want to enjoy their job. I mean, we don't want you to come into work every day cursing and huffing and puffing. We, we want to make sure you, you want to get up in the morning and go and do your job. Because that has an impact on the rest of the people around you, right? Exactly. I mean, you want to make sure that your employees are engaged. And there's something we call negative or toxic engagement, basically, where people come into work and say, oh, man, you know, so-and-so got a raise, but I didn't. And, you know, I've been working so hard. and None of this has shown, you know, any appreciation. So basically, people who are like this will, will pollute your work environment. And it's going to demotivate your employees and create a toxic environment. So you always want to make sure you try to be as positive as possible. And that goes for the interview as well. You want to speak about positive things. For an example, I was once hiring for a field engineer position for my current company. And half the time, the candidate was going on about renewable energy and how electric was going to replace petroleum in the future and how you know what we're doing is going to be obsolete one day. Negative comment after negative comment. And I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, if you're not convinced about what we do, or you're not, you know, liking one bit of it, then why why are you applying for this position? Yeah. You know, so you want to be as as positive as possible. All right. So then once you're making an offer, what are you expecting from the candidates or what usually happens during negotiation the and offer acceptance? Process? Yeah. Okay. So after we've uh, selected the candidate that we would like to hire, we go into the offer stage. So what we'll do is we'll formulate the package, uh, which usually consists of you know your basic salary and all the benefits and so on and so on. And we will write up an offer letter and we'll then present the candidate with the offer. I myself have been through several different methods of this process and I've also executed several different methods of this process. Most of the jobs that I have received offers from have been physical offers where they call me in for a third interview, let's say. And usually by this third interview, us as a company have decided, you know, that we're going to, we want to pursue this candidate and make them an offer. So you go through a quick Q&A and then you move on to the offer process where you'll present them with the offer letter, which will detail the job title, the grade or level of your organization has such a thing the basic pay, a breakdown of your complete package, as well as any other additional benefits that the company might offer. Once you do the physical offer, the candidate on most occasions will take the offer and say they'll get back to you or get back to us as a company. On rare occasions, have I seen people actually sign the offer on the actual spot? It's usually been for lesser skilled positions, such as operators, 
where I guess they don't have a lot of options. I'm not sure why. But uh, one of my... But, I mean, it's, it's prudent be, for people to take their time to look through it and exactly. consider Exactly. So everything. that's what I was getting to. So one of my tips for all job applicants would to be to take your time and not uh, rush into anything. Yes, it's a good sign that you've got this job offer, but also keep in mind that it's not something that's going to go bad in 24 hours, unless stated on the actual <laughs> offer, which has happened before. So always try to ask for as much time to think it over and to look it over uh, as possible. You don't want to jump into anything without knowing all the details. If your offer is missing any type of information that you're curious about, always be sure to ask the recruiter about uh, those certain details. There's never a stupid question, only stupid answers. Stupid that in mind. But yeah, I think it's, it's a super important thing to actually review the offer that you're given. If Now, when it comes down, uh, the next topic would be negotiating an offer. A lot of time for entry-level positions, there's usually not very much room to negotiate. Usually companies for entry-level positions will have a fixed salary, is what they call, and they will hire everyone in these entry-level positions at the same salary, and there's usually not a salary range for the actual position. Because there's not that much differentiation when people are just in junior entry positions. Exactly. Everybody's going to be doing the same job and will probably have the same level of experience. So there's no, no real need for a salary range for that position. Now, if on the other hand, if you're going into a more experienced position, then yes, you should always do your best to negotiate, but in a professional manner. For most companies, when we are hiring experienced professionals, we will ask the candidate for their current package. One of the things actually I do now in compensation and benefits is when I'm required to create a package for, let's say, an experienced professional, one of the main things I will need is the full breakdown of what they're getting paid as of today with their current employer. Why do we do this? Like Uh, on your own research or from them telling you? No, from them telling us. If they're usually if they're you know serious about getting a job with us, then there won't be any issue with them providing all details. But also sometimes we'll have people blow up their numbers by quite a bit. So we always try to ask the candidate for a copy of their pay slip so we can verify what they're claiming. Because uh, recently I had a guy that they were trying to hire who was claiming he got monthly airfare on the company jet and had a special room in the field and he got like VIP treatment, blah, blah, blah. And just some ridiculous, you know, claims that, <laughs> that saying that his current employer was offering so, you know, unless you have something to back up, those claims don't make them. You always, like I said earlier, you want to be as transparent as possible. You do not want to make up numbers. You do not want to tell the recruiter you know how to do something that you don't. You always want to be as honest as possible because another thing to keep in mind is, is uh, the recruiting network is quite close, especially in similar industries. So I still am in touch with a lot of my other uh, recruiting counterparts and other companies. And whenever we're looking for certain candidates, we'll actually talk to each other. So if you go and, you know, have an interview with my competitor and you claim certain things, I can dig a little bit and see what you told so-and-so and what claims were made. And if word gets out that a candidate, you know, either falsifies information or is making things up, that can eliminate a lot of your job chances in that market. The job market these days is so close now with all the social media and all the social networking that it's super easy to, you know, 
dig for certain things on a candidate and find out if, it, if it's true or not. But um, getting back to the point, so what we'll do is when hiring an experienced professional, when getting their offer ready and trying to make an offer, we'll look at the current package and basically we'll try to increase the package to a certain point where it's an attractive offer. And like I said, we usually ask for the current package so we don't go back and forth. One time I had to prepare an offer for a candidate that would refuse to give us his current package. The package preparation stage for this candidate took a good three weeks because it was just back and forth, back and forth, because we didn't know what he was looking for or what he wanted. It wasn't clear. So if you are an experienced professional and you are looking for a certain package, you should make it clear at uh, the very beginning of the recruiting stage because you don't want to go down the whole road uh, wasting your time and wasting the recruiter's time. Because if you get to that certain point where it is offer time and what you're expecting is something astronomical and not logical, then you're just going to hit a brick wall and you won't be able to you know, obtain the position that you want. So how much of an offer from your side of the table is going to be based on just what like industry pay levels versus the applicant's previous uh, income or whatever their income at their current job is? Well, for um, most companies, will have a certain focus that will study the market of each uh, country or of each, let's say, industry within that country, and they will build their compensation on the research that they do. So something that we do in our organization is a annual uh, compensation review. So we will look at everyone's salary, everyone's income, their fixed pay, their variable pay, their benefits, uh, their added-on bonuses. And we also participate in annual market surveys. So we have several providers that provide us with market data that they collect on a yearly basis, which is actually going on right now as they're actually collecting all the data for this year. And they will summarize it in uh, reports. So then we can look at the market data and kind of see where we're placed. So if we notice that we are way below the market in, let's say, IT sector, then during this compensation review, we will propose to the board or propose to management that we need to you know, review the salary structure and review the salary of a certain job function. Then we'll propose an increase to meet at least... Most companies usually meet at least the median of the market. So unless it's a local, small-time company, then you're going to be at least being paid the average of what the market is. But then when it comes down to making an offer and negotiating the offer, like how much of that is based on that industry portion of it and how much of it is based on what that applicant's current okay. pay is? So, so that being said, uh, that last part that I just mentioned, that should basically mean that our current salary structure and our current pay in the company is competitive or is competitive enough to attract candidates to our company. Now, if the person already has a job, and he's looking for a certain amount, then we'll definitely take that into consideration. We'll see what he's expecting, and we'll also take into consideration his current package when uh, preparing an offer for this uh, candidate. So this is probably more the case for junior-type positions of people coming out of undergrad or MBA programs or, or whatever. If people are dating multiple companies at the same time, you know, interviewing at multiple places simultaneously, and you make an offer, and they're saying, can I get an extension on 
my reply, you know, if you say like, we're making this offer, we want a response back in a week or two weeks. And they say like, can you give me two more weeks? Because they're interviewing around. How do you feel from the hiring side? I've been in both shoes, actually. I've been the candidate where I have had two offers from two different companies. I've played that game. And I've also been on the hiring side where I need a candidate and he's been giving the same, you know, story that he has a a dueling offer or a, a competing offer from another company. Once again, it really comes down to the position and how fast the company needs it and how bad the company needs it. If it's something that the company needs as soon as possible, then they probably will not give an extension and they will go with their second choice for a candidate. But if it's something they, that the company is willing to wait for, then they usually don't have a problem with delaying the onboarding process or the acceptance of the employee. But you also have to keep in mind that the time that it takes to source the employee and give the offer while you're waiting, the company could interview someone else that takes your position. So while you're asking for an extension, during that, let's say, two weeks that you ask for, the company could go and find somebody and actually interview someone they wouldn't have interviewed if they would have hired you and actually take that candidate instead of you. So it's usually key to be as punctual as possible and to respond to an offer um, as soon as possible as well. Okay. But then what if you were trying to hire someone and you made an offer and they're trying to negotiate and say, like, I have this other offer, like, what is your response? Ah, that's a good point. That's actually something I was uh, about to go into. That happens on several occasions where a person will have conflicting offers or, let's say, two offers at once. To be honest, unless you're a you're applying for a more senior position, I would not play that card. If you have less than five to seven years experience, I would not advise to, to try to bargain with a conflicting offer because... What the recruiter might do is say, okay, that's good that you have this other offer, then you should go and take that other offer, you know? Good luck. Is that because when you're talking about more junior positions, the supply of candidates is more abundant than more senior positions? Exactly. Like if I'm hiring for, let's say, a welder. I mean, there's tons of welders out there. It's not a super skilled position. And if a guy is going to come and try to negotiate and give us a hard time during the recruiting process, then I'll just say, you know, well, best of luck, and I'll start looking for another person who will be less uh, of a hassle to recruit. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just to close the loop on everything, what are really big points that would knock people out or really turn you off about a candidate throughout the whole process? You touched on things before. Uh, but... Yeah, we can summarize that up, definitely. Like I said, you know, you want to be as uh, personable as possible and as, as friendly as possible. Do not show up to an interview with a cocky attitude, with a know-it-all attitude. Try to be as polite as possible during the interview process. But just remember, you know, behave and mind your manners and, <laughs> and don't, don't act out of line. It's a professional environment and this is when we're trying to assess you as a person and see if you're able to work uh, within the team. Another thing to also never ask during your interview, do not talk about salary. Don't ask how much the position pays, especially if it's your first interview. That gives a very bad signal to the recruiter. This basically gives us the idea that you are looking for a paycheck and not a continuous career with the company. 
So one of the things that I will think of if you're going to automatically start asking about how much you're going to make as a candidate, I'm going to think to myself that this guy, as soon as he gets a bigger offer from anyone, he's going to jump the boat and, and go and work for whoever is going to give him that bigger paycheck. So always avoid talking about money until the actual offer has been presented to you. Once the offer has been presented to you, then that's the time you can start talking about how much you get paid and the different benefits that you're going to receive. So just, just try to keep in mind uh, not to uh, mention the money until, until it's actually brought up by the recruiter. Another huge turnoff it would be your work ethic and your attitude against certain people. I've been in several interviews where I ask the candidate if they would be willing to take on extra responsibility and if they would be willing to, you know, let's say, do something out of their job scope, how would they react? And that's a good way to gauge a person and how committed they are and how strong their work ethic is. And if you get a response like, no, I wouldn't do that because it's not in my job description, whereas compared to someone that would say, yes, I would like to take on that extra task, I might learn something from it. It might, let's say, strengthen my relationship with the other departments or so-and-so. That will definitely be a better response, and it would help your chances of securing a position with your hiring company. Other negative things, as mentioned earlier, try to show up as professional as possible. Try to dress well. Make sure you know you're clean-shaven if you're a male. You know, a nice haircut. If you have tattoos or piercings, I would cover them up and or, you know, take them out. You want to look as presentable as possible. I know the, the, the work environment's changing and the job environment is changing, but a lot of company will have a lot of, um, let's say, older members in their, in their, on their team. And some of these things will turn off employers when it comes to appearances. What else would be a negative? Falsifying information on your resume is also <laughs> a huge, huge no-no. I've encountered this several times because either A, we'll do a background check and we'll find out if it's false or not, or B, it'll show during the interview that you don't know what you're talking about. And then that could lead to a rescinded offer or even after being hired, potentially being fired right away? Definitely. Definitely. Um, you also want to make sure you have a clean record and always be mindful of your social media and what you post. Not that I've seen a lot of employers do this, but some companies do. They will look into your online presence and what you have posted on certain social media networks. So always be mindful of what you post and what is uh, viewable by the outside world. Also be... What, what would be that. red flags there? You know, you just want to be... Um, <laughs> it depends on your corporation, but you, know, you don't want to post any offensive material. You, know, you don't want to post any racial or sexual type, you know, discrimination and or negative things on your social media, you know, accounts where that might affect the hiring decision. All right. We've kind of ran long. Any other closing thoughts there? Basically, I just, uh, I know finding a job is a very difficult uh, task and it's a very lengthy task in most cases. You just have to keep your head up and... You always have to remember that a lot of the big companies have thousands upon thousands of candidates coming through their website and or door on a daily basis. So don't expect to hear responses in days. I would give at least two to four weeks for certain companies to respond. I want to also remind candidates 
to broaden their horizons. Do not narrow yourself to a certain market or a certain country, let alone, well, I should say, don't narrow yourself down to a certain market, let alone country. One of the mistakes I made after graduating is I was trying to look for a job solely in the town that I graduated from or the major city that I graduated from. And after traveling and visiting other countries, I started applying to international positions and positions that were outside the U.S. And that's actually where I found my first job. As flexible as you are, try to apply to as many different companies and or positions as possible. The world is getting smaller and smaller by the day thanks to the internet. So it's super easy to apply for a position in, let's say, China now. It would have been 20 years ago. So just keep that door open and apply, 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 and just try to be as resourceful as possible as well. Try to network as much as you can. Networking, especially on certain sites like LinkedIn and Glassdoor, can help your chances of finding a job as well as securing a job after you find one. A lot of the recruiters use these uh, different social media websites to help source candidates. So it's always keen uh, to keep your profile up to date with the latest information possible. And just always stay positive. That's as much advice as I can give. <laughs> and to actually, to be honest, with my current employer, I actually applied to them two years before I got a job offer. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. To, so that can just give you a small glimpse of, of how long sometimes it takes to find candidates. Or, you know, or when they'll need a candidate. And then, you know, you get the offer from the organization that you're looking at. So it's not a matter of just, um, you know, applying to the company. It's also a matter if the company actually needs your certain expertise at the time being. But when that time does come and you have your resume on their website, it's always uh, a plus. So that's another point I'd actually would like to give is that a lot of these companies have websites. And on the websites, they have recruiting portals. One of the most important things you do if you apply for a company is make sure that you keep your application up to date. Once you create a profile on these websites, they usually stay active. But if you do not log into them and or update them after a certain period of time, they, I think, get automatically deleted. So just a piece of advice after applying, try to go in every six months and update your profile on that website or that company's website to make sure that your profile is still active. And just in response to that, were you saying like not just looking in your city kind of thing? If you're willing to move, you create more opportunities. And there's a lot of randomness in terms of the economy and job opportunities. And you just never know when a company happens to need a position that fits your skills or your skills match with a certain thing. Like Things just pop up. So when you're keeping your eyes open, you're open to different options and you keep applying then the, the chances of something coming through or become greater. Exactly. You know, just because the job that you do right now doesn't have an opening in Baltimore doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have that opportunity in Bogota, let's say. So, <laughs> <laughs> so try, yeah, try to keep your doors open and always apply as much as you can to different positions in different countries and in different cities as well. Try to keep yourself as flexible as possible because you'll be surprised at where you might find a job. All right. So we've ran super long, so I'll go ahead and cut it off here. But thanks for coming on the show, Cal. 
that pretty much wraps up what we're talking about with recruitment now from the perspective of HR recruiter on the inside of a company hiring. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel on the iTunes podcast app or the Google Play Store and catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast.